Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we claim the promise now that whenever your word goes out from you, that it will not return to you empty. And so my prayer for my friends who are here this morning is that the words that we hear now, that they would be the words that each one of us need to hear. And my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm just gonna, we're going to get started, and I, there is only one slide on our PowerPoint this morning, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but if you have a red Bible in front of you, I'm just going to invite you to grab that and open it to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to be looking at the story of Noah, and for some of you who have been a part of the church your whole life, you're like, I already know the story. It's a story about a man who built a really big ship and a bunch of animals went into it. And then at the end of it, it was just him and his family. And then the story continues. And oftentimes when we come to the Bible, we have a tendency to do that. We read the story quickly because we know it already. But my, my challenge and my invitation to you this morning and, and for those of you who are reading the Bible through is to take the time to read the story slowly. Take the time to see what maybe you haven't seen. How many of you have ever seen a movie more than once? How many of you have read a book more than once? Yeah, how many have listened to a sermon of mine more than once? (laughs) You guys could lie to me. That's okay lying. (laughs) We always pick up something new the second and third and fourth time. And so when we come to the scriptures, that's what we want to look at and And we want to just see, like, is there something that we're not getting? So we're just going to jump in. I have no jokes for you and no stories to tell yet, so let's just jump into it. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made mankind on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind, whom I have created, from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. And I want to stop there for a second. Instantly, the people that this was written to when they were reading it for the very first time when he says that the Lord saw the evil inclinations of the heart, this is an allusion to the creation story. When, When God finishes the work of creation, what are the words that God says? He looks at it and he sees that it is very good. So instantly we want to see and we want to understand that because the world has become this way, this wasn't the way God intended things to be. God didn't want there to be evil and violence. What what the theologians would say is that the reason that God had such a hard time or, or what was actually going on is that there was a lot of blood violence, a lot of killing and wars and tribal disputes. There was just a lot of violence and evil that was going on. And it's interesting that what we see is that the heart of God was grieved. It tells us that God was grieved. Now, what's important about that is that the violence that was going on, all of the brokenness and the death and decay, broken 
relationships, lost jobs, all of the bad that could happen, it wasn't just affecting the humans, but it also affected God. And so the first thing that I would say about this story is that if you are grieving, if you are being affected by something that's going on in your life, it affects God as well. You see, even in this story, it is a reminder that you are not alone. It is a reminder that if you experience something, God is experiencing that along with you. Humans are not separate from God. And so we can know because the Bible continually tells us story after story that God is intimately connected and God intimately cares about everything that you are going through. So if you're one of the people that came up for the prayer because you are just feeling ex extremely burdened and there is an obstacle in your life that you feel like you are not going to be able to get over, understand that God is feeling the very same thing. If you have children, have any of you ever had a child who's been sick? How does that make you feel? Like, do you feel good? Like, ah, oh, they'll get over it. It's just a cold. Or if, if uh, I, for me, the one that always gets me is a sore throat, right? When a kid has a sore throat, I know how, and I don't have a very high threshold of pain, so I understand that. But, like, I always, my heart always breaks when a kid is sick because they, 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 they seem so helpless. And if the, the Bible tells us that if us as humans can care that much for a child, how much more does God care for you because you are a child of God? And so the first thing we see in the story of Moses is that God cares more than you can imagine because God feels your pain. And verse 7, or in verse 8 says this, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Now the first thing we look at here, is that Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean that Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord? And I think that the traditional understanding has been that because Noah obeyed God and Noah was a good man, and the Bible says that he was blameless and he was righteous, people will often say, you see, that's why you have to be a good person. That's why you have to do everything the Bible says, because just as Noah was obedient, we have to be obedient too, and then you will find favor in the sight of the Lord. But I was reading a couple other accounts and other theologians and other commentaries this week, and one of the things that I found was that in the Hebrew, the fact that Noah finds favor is that Noah was searching for something. You see, we often think that it's just, well, oh, he found favor in the sight of God. But the truth is, is that Noah, because he walked with God, he was intentionally searching for the presence of God. Do you guys know what um, Noah's favorite Bible verse was? Have you guys ever, has anyone ever told you that little bit of trivia, Noah's favorite Bible verse? He didn't have one because there was no Bible. This is like chapter 6 in Genesis. You see, Noah didn't have the gift of Scripture where he could go to it and underline it and memorize it. What Noah had was the presence of God. Now, we don't know if he was actually talking face-to-face -face with God. We're not really sure how it works. Uh, don't use the, the movie that just came out a couple of years ago about Noah. Um, 
It's not really biblical except for the flood and the animals. And that there was a guy named Noah with three sons and a wife. But you see, Noah only had God. And Noah was continually searching for the presence of God. So when Noah finds favor, the Hebrew word also can mean grace. Noah finds grace in the presence of the Lord. You see, Noah was a righteous man, and, and, and instantly in the English, we think that a righteous person is someone who is, what, sinless, someone who doesn't have all the sins that we do, someone that maybe reads their Bible all the time and memorizes Bible verses. And so we, we think of people who are more righteous. But, but here in, in, in this story, righteous simply means that he was innocent of doing the things that the community or the, his contemporaries were guilty of doing. You see, the reason that Noah, I will probably say Moses, so just understand that when I say Moses, it's Noah, because I, I do that all the time for whatever reason, so just know that, okay? Because okay, you're like, just so you know. But you see, Noah was righteous, the Bible says, because he walked with the Lord and he was blameless in his generation. So you see, this isn't saying the people who are good will find favor in the sight of the Lord. What this is saying is that Noah refused to participate in the way the things were. were. Noah refused to believe that what the world was offering was better than what he could find in the presence of God. You see, this story is about how Noah makes the intentional decision to be open to having a relationship with God. I would say it this way. When you live your life directed toward the will of God, you will find favor and grace, not because God will somehow feel that you've earned it, but because you are already living in the flow and in the harmony of the way God wants you to live. You see, when you live your life directed toward the will of God, you're already one step ahead. It's not always easy. It's not always pleasant. But the truth is, is that when we try to see the world through the eyes of God, we begin to see that some things are more important than other things. And Noah is a reminder that when you choose to walk with God, you will find grace and favor. Jesus says those who seek will find. For those who knock, the door will be open. You see, what's important for us to see here is that the word to walk with someone here, like Noah walks with God, that is a relational word. That is a word where you have to intentionally spend time with someone. It's, it's, it's kind of like if the Bible was written today, maybe it would say that Noah liked to take drives with God. And here's what I mean by that. We, we don't always go for walks that often, right? You know, unless we have to, right? Unless you have a dog and you have to go take the dog for a walk. Maybe some of you do take long walks. But if you've ever driven in the car with someone and you've been in the car with them, what happens most of the time when you're driving with someone in the car? You talk, right? Because you don't, you don't generally listen to music that much. You're talking, and how many of you have ever missed an exit because you were so enthralled in the conversation? Or you were arguing with them? <laughs> I'm just, kidding. just kidding. We don't argue because we're perfect. <laughs> That's a joke. No, but it's, it's the same idea of for, for Noah to truly know God is that he had to be in relationship with God. And this is what we are being called to do. And so the very first part of this story 
is that Noah chose not to go after all the other things that the world was telling him were good and amazing. Noah chose to go after the God whom he he knew was the creator and the sustainer of all things. So now, let's go to uh, same chapter, verse 11. It's going to kind of repeat a little bit. The Bible sometimes does that. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And I'm going to pause there. You know, we, uh, we often talk about grace in this church and in most Christian churches. And when we read this story, it doesn't feel very gracious, does it? It kind of feels like God... What happened to the forgiving, loving God that we've come to know? Why wouldn't you just forgive these people? And so what some people like to say about this is like, you see, when you're bad, God is going to destroy you. If you're bad, you are going to experience life and you're going to feel like it's like death, but you're still alive. And people, I've often heard people say that the reason people are going through difficult times in their lives is because they are not doing what God is telling them to do. That because they are not obeying what the Bible says, then God is going to punish them. Have you guys ever heard that? People say, I hear people say that all the time. And I say, that's the wrong way to understand the story. You see, because this is actually truly graceful. Now, okay, we don't like the part where God kills people. Understood. Nobody likes that. But here's the point of what this story is trying to get across. The earth had become filled with violence and evil and degradation. And God was grieved because humanity was experiencing such horrible state of existence. And so in God's grace, what he does is that he eliminates the violence. He eliminates the greed and the selfishness. He eliminates the brokenness. You see, this story is about God getting rid of all of the horrible, bad things. Now, it didn't last very long because... Human beings aren't very good at being good all the time, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, just ask the people in your life. We're horrible at being perfect. This story isn't about people who are bad will get destroyed because that's not what the scriptures tell us. That's not what the entire script, the stories of Jesus. In fact, the stories of Jesus tell us that even though we're bad, God still loves us because we're always going to be sinners, This story is about how God eliminates the horrible things of life. And one day, on the day of the great resurrection, God will eliminate all of the evil and all of the decay. And and the Bible uses the imagery that God will eliminate the devil and all the evil things by throwing them into a burning lake of sulfur. This is a story of God's love. But he doesn't destroy everyone because I believe that God is fair And verse 14 says this, So Noah, make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. And then it goes on. I'm not going to read the next couple of verses because it just gives us details of what it was supposed to look like. But he says, make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. Could Noah control the violence? Could, Could Noah control the violence? Could he change people? Could he coerce people into changing No, all Noah had control over was whether he was going to walk with God 
and whether he was going to do what God was asking him to do. Noah could only control his thoughts and his actions. That's it. He couldn't control his wife. He couldn't control his children. He couldn't control all of the society that was around him. The Bible doesn't tell us that he was standing on soapboxes and judging everyone for what they were doing. No, Noah could only control what God was asking him to do. And the story tells us that Noah does in fact build this ark. And what this teaches us is that you can only control what God is calling you to do. You can't control the people around you. And I like that story of, that Imars um, says about how, what is it? I only do the things the voices in my wife's head tells her to tell me to do. Is that what it was? That's funny. Because, you know, it's funny. Because, and we joke about that. But, like, it's funny because those kinds of things are true. I don't know if that's true for them. I'm just saying, like, in general. You know, those are the jokes, right? I wear the pants in the relationship, but my wife tells me which pants to wear. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Like, come on, you guys, you're killing me. Okay, so, but we can't really control other people. We can only control and do and be faithful to the things that God is calling you to do. Now, that's important. Now, I want you to turn really quickly to Hebrews chapter 11. Put your, leave your finger there in Genesis chapter 6. And Hebrews, that's like near the back of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And that is page 851 in the Red Bibles. 851. Remember, Noah could only be responsible for his own actions and whether he was going to do what God was calling him to do. And now look at what the New Testament, he, the writer of Hebrews says about Noah Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and God rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah was warned about the things not yet seen, and in holy fear or in awe of God, he built an ark to save his family. And by faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So here it is. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is it that pleases God? Faith. And, and he kind of, the, the writer of Hebrews says that faith is to believe that God exists. That's how they describe what faith is. Noah believed that God existed, and not only that he existed, but that he was honest and trustworthy. You see, the word faith is another word it's for, that, that is used to describe the relationship. Faith is also trust. It's knowing that the other person, in this case it's God, is dependable and reliable and will be there for you even if the whole world passes away. Believing is another relational word. You see, Noah could only believe that what God was saying was true because he had a relationship with God and he walked with God. And now, the last part of this, it says that God rewards those who seek him. I remember sitting in a class in a, in a, public, a public college, and it was an ethics class. And one of the arguments, and this was like like 14 years ago, 
And I remember that one of the arguments that people had against Christianity is that Christians only believed in Jesus and they only believed in God and they only did good things because they wanted to be rewarded. And at the time, I didn't say anything because I'm like a lot, I mean, I'm, I'm loud here because that's my job to preach, but, you know, I, I, I'm not like very good in like another, in a different form. I, I won't really just like speak up because I don't want to fight, you know, like I don't want to have an argument with like about that. But see, for people, people often believe, the society believes that we only as Christians believe in God because we're, we're going to then be saved one day and we get to spend all eternity in this heavenly place. And then the Bible actually says that, but what the Bible doesn't say is what the reward is going to be here. What if the reward is that as you seek God, because it says those who earnestly seek will find him. The reward is that if you are seeking God and if you are trying to walk with God, if you are open to this life-giving relationship with God, the reward will be that you will actually find that fulfilling life. You see, that's why we preach and that's why we gather together. Because we believe that the words of Scripture are true. And we believe that God exists and we believe that he will be faithful to the things that he says. And so when it says that Noah condemned the world around him, it wasn't that he judged them, it's that he didn't go after their ways of doing things, but instead he chose to do things the way God was asking him to do it. And then we go back to Genesis as we kind of come back to the end. Genesis again, chapter 6, that's page 4. Moses could only control what he could, and he chose to have faith and to believe and to seek God. And as a consequence of those things, God called him to step out of his comfort zone. You see, God didn't say, you know, Noah wasn't worried about what people were going to say. I mean, we don't know that, right? But the Bible doesn't tell us that Noah was worried about what the society was going to say. He wasn't worried about the gossip and the naysayers, right? Noah could have just said, you know, it's impossible, God, for me to build this ark like you want it. Or how am I going to get all the animals to fit? No, see, if we start our lives with these limiting beliefs, all the reasons why, why we can't do something, then you're never going to do it. But when God calls you, he will empower you to do it. Now check this out. Verse, uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 17. Look at this. God tells him, for your part, do this, right? Make the ark. And verse 17 says this. And the different Bible translation says, And for my part, I am going to bring the floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens and every creature and all that has breath. And then he goes on to describe that, right? He's going to eliminate violence and evil. See, you can only control what God is asking you to do. And for God's part, he will take care of the rest. I think what we can learn from here is that when we walk with God, we trust that what God desires for you is in your best interest even when things don't work out the way you want them to. When you walk with God, you are trusting and believing that God wants the very best for you. Now, God is calling all of you to do something. Right? It may not be to stand up here and preach. It may not be to stand up here and sing. It may not be to stand up here and read. But God is calling you to do something very real in your own realm of influence that is outside of this church. 
And God's not asking you to worry about the end result. All God is doing is telling you, just do what I'm asking you. Do what I'm calling you to do. And for my part, I will take care of the rest. You see, the the story of Noah and the flood is not that God was wrathful and judgmental and that if you don't do everything God wants you to do, then you are going to die. That's, That's not what the Bible teaches, first of all. That's not what this story is teaching. Instead, what this story is teaching you is that God is calling you to do something. God will take care of the rest. And if you are walking with God, and and people in this church who have gone through difficult circumstances can share this with you. If you are walking with God, God oftentimes will lead you to an even better reality. God will lead you to an even better life than you thought you were ever going to have. Sometimes it's through the pain and the suffering that God is using that time to plant faith even more than you had before. It's not that God is doing the bad things in your life. But I do believe from personal experience that when the really difficult parts and the painful parts of life happen, that is a time when God uses it to help you to develop an even stronger faith. Now, sometimes you have to go through it a bunch of times (laughs) because we're human and our inclinations are always to do evil. So the next time you are going through something, may may your prayer and may your, may your, may your, um, your disposition be to be open to see what God is asking you to do and let God take care of the rest. And we have hundreds of other stories in Scripture that will teach us. There are people in this church who can tell you of the lives that they've lived and of the difficulty and how it seemed like there was no better way. And then all of a sudden, years down the road, things are better. Because when you're like Noah and you walk with God, when you're seeking, you will find the presence of God. And in the presence of God, he will strengthen you, he will comfort you, and he will help you to do that which he is calling you to do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Noah and for all the other stories in the Bible. God, for those who are here this morning who who they have already felt the call that you are putting on their lives, you've already given them a passion and a desire. But for one reason or another, they have just been not doing it. I pray that your spirit would fill them in such a way that would empower them to do that which you were calling them to do. And I pray that for those who are struggling with faith, that you would give them the faith to know that you will take care of their life. And and whether it works out how they want to or not, may we be like Noah, who will just be responsible to walk with you and trust that you will take care of the rest. We thank you, God, for your love, and we thank you for your grace, and we thank you that you love us and that you care for us, and we feel better knowing that you feel what we feel, and we know that you will bring comfort to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.